0: How about you, Carol? How do you, how you handle errors?
1: Um, well, I just always assume the people using my system are smart enough to not do anything wrong and just let it live, you know? Don't worry about it.
2: How's that it. working out for you?
1: I mean, I don't look at the error log, so I think it's great. <laughs> 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 I don't look at Zendesk tickets. That's someone else's thing. Uh, no, no. Okay, am I'm, I'm kidding. Welcome to Working Code with your three hosts who never make off by one errors Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim.
2: Okay, here we go. It is show number 101. Kind of starting over, kind of keep going. But either way, here we are. Continuing on. Today on the show, we're going to talk about error messages because that's an evergreen topic, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Always something For to sure. say there. And I guess, as usual, we'll start with our triumphs and fails. And Ben, why don't you go first?
0: Hold on. Hold on. Before we get into triumphs and fails, I just got to check in with everyone. Is everyone okay <laughs> after the spectacular episode?
1: We survived.
0: You survived
2: eating all the hot wings.
1: I don't right. want to do it again anytime soon.
2: No, definitely not. I'll pass. I'm, I'm actually kind of considering trying to sort of like challenge my neighbor. Now that I have all the sauces, right? I right. might as well like throw it at him. Do you have any <laughs> of the bomb left? Because that's the one that... Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. I think I used less than half of the, the container. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so...
0: If you don't come on discord for a show. So I was so concerned about Ben because he was in so much pain after the bomb. (laughs) He was doubled over. And I know how worried he gets. I I was afraid because I woke up that I woke up the next morning and I I love hot stuff, but I guess I eaten so much hot stuff. My stomach was still kind of burning. And I thought, oh my God, I bet Ben I bet Ben thinks he has like a bleeding ulcer or something and has gone to the emergency. So I'm trying to message him. I called him like two times. He didn't he went straight to voicemail. I'm sending him text messages on Discord. I'm sending him a mess. He's not responding. I'm like, oh my God, he's like in the hospital or something. <laughs> I, I
3: appreciate the concern.
0: And then and then about like later in the afternoon, I get this me- get this, this message on Discord from Ben. He goes, hey, why'd you call me two times in a row? What's up? I'm like, oh, okay, you're alive. Just making sure that you're okay. And he's like, I know I took the day off. I had the, the you know, took the day off today. And I was, you know, I wasn't answering my phone or anything. I was kind of away from everything. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Just making sure you're alive, dude. Because I was seriously like all of us. Like Adam was like, hey Tim, have, are you calling Ben? Because I don't want to keep calling him too. If you're calling him, I'm like, no, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm calling him.
1: I, uh, I went on to Facebook and added his wife as my friend. I was like,
4: add Ben's wife
1: real quick. Let's message her. <laughs> but about oh, that time. I'm ben responded is. and said, what's up, you guys?
3: I know, I was scrolling up in the chat and I'm like, what are they even talking about? <laughs> the
1: next message is, we thought you were dead.
0: <laughs> we thought you were like, like checked yourself into a hospital like or something. <laughs> but but seriously, you handled it like a champ, buddy. For a person who like really doesn't like Spice, you, you, you did well. You did really well. To be proud of yourself.
3: I was pretty surprised at how terrible the bomb was, was the bomb i was also a little surprised that i didn't throw up there was a moment there where i thought i was going to throw up which would have been and, worse <laughs> and then it stuck with me i was uncomfortable until the morning ish mm-hmm. like 7 30 the next morning i was laying there on the couch i'm like oh this doesn't feel great but then then the skies parted and uh, the pain dissipated and i had a lovely friday awesome
2: okay all right sorry for that detour that's yeah, okay. I meant to, I meant to take us there too. So I just, I got sucked into the routine and completely forgot about it. And I'm glad that you thought to say something. So now, as usual, let's get into our triumphs and fails and Ben, who is definitely alive and uh, not a machine learning algorithm who hates testing and React. Uh, why don't you go first? <laughs> I was just going to say,
3: I think, was it you who recommended Resident Alien, the show, a while back?
2: I think that might have been Tim. I feel like I learned it about me. it here on the podcast. Yeah, somebody as well. recommended it. Was me. He,
3: the, that's that's like kind of a mannerism he has on the show all the time where he's like, I'm definitely a human being with yeah. regular human hands. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm going to go with a triumph-failure or I'm going to go failure-come-triumph. Which is that I looked over at my MacBook Pro 2015 this morning, and I noticed it's in a it's in a it's sitting closed in a little clamshell uh, holder, like upright holder. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So I look over it this morning, and I noticed that the cover is 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 away from the body, and I'm like, oh, that's not good because I replaced the battery on my on the 2015 like a year and a half ago or something because it had started mm. to swell. So I looked, I took it out of its case, and indeed, again, the battery is starting to swell, which is terrifying because you apparently can you know, catch on fire and stuff. So that's the failure, but then the triumph there is that, as I've maybe mentioned before on the show, I actually bought a new MacBook Pro 2022 Apple M1 like in August, and I still had not gotten it set up for work because of all kinds of issues. So I took the day and I kind of rounded out the rest of the configurations and I was able to get the the 2022 M1 to a point where I was actually able to file a pull request and uh, run my system locally. So, I feel I'm pretty triumphant about that. That that's like actually a tremendous amount of weight off of my shoulders cuz I feel like I can now really start to adopt the new machine. And, and I'll tell you for everyone on Twitter and Facebook who's like, I don't you like Docker just works on M1. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just been so many hurdles. One of the steps in our Docker file is installing node 10 X, which node 10 X like hasn't been supported in like nine years or something, but Hey, that's what powers gulp three. And uh, (laughs) you can't even install, (laughs) you can't even install node 10 anymore. And fun fact, gulp three doesn't work with anything higher than node 10 because it monkey patches the node file system. So I had to, it, it was just like, it's just like a lot of trial and error in getting things to work. But uh I'm at the point now where I can do work. The downside is that my system is not a exact mirror of what goes to production which is kind of terrifying like i have a Mm -hmm. slightly new version of lucy cfml running locally and i have a slightly newer version of rabbit mq and i have a slightly newer version of a couple of things i'm sure like because i basically my entire docker file cache layer everything was invalidated because i had to start building new stuff from the top so i'm sure every app get Install, installed completely new packages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's terrifying. I'm like, now it's just going to be a crapshoot. It works on my machine. Does it actually work in production? But hey, I will cross that bridge when it starts throwing (laughs) errors in production. (laughs) But I'm calling it a triumph. (laughs) So, living dangerous. Absolutely. But I am going to go to Best Buy tomorrow to see if they can help me replace the battery on the 2015 because there is still stuff on that that I, want slash need and would be a pain in the butt to get off of a backup but
0: uh, yeah that's so you have to turn in your old laptop when you're done with them
3: uh i don't think so i mean no i don't if i were to quit they would probably want something back but as a matter of course they don't ask for the computers back gotcha anyway that's me carol what do you got going on
1: Oh man, I'm going to go to the Triumph. I have started working out again. I actually started last nice. week with like the before workout week, which is a lot lighter routine and just kind of getting back in the hang of things. But working out again, following a schedule, and I'm just kind of getting my life back to normal with like a bedtime and time I start making coffee and the time I start working because having my schedule completely out of whack has not been good and it also makes me be less productive during the day because i just feel like i'm spinning in circles trying to catch back up for the missing time so i'm just happy to say i'm getting back on schedule and day and nights are normal and yay working out
0: <laughs> heck yes yeah. yep i'm all about schedule
1: yeah schedules are good so about you tim
0: yeah so i forgot to work out yesterday morning that makes like 20 years in a row so <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I have to break our little triumph train here and go with a fail. No. Yeah, unfortunately. So I, I've had I had a this is used to kind of be my job before, like before I moved over to payments, where I was always like cleaning up data because stuff was breaking, and I had that day to day, and it was did not feel good. I spent the whole day just doing like data cleanup kind of stuff in the same time trying to take meetings while I'm also kind of looking at the data out of the corner of my eye. And it was exhausting. Where are you cleaning data up? Is it like in Excel files or in a it's database? SQL, so it's in database. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a, a customer, they're kind of like a one-off kind of legacy kind of customer. They have their own specialized process. They, they do, it's a life insurance company and they do a lot of payments like on the second and third day of, the month because most of their people are on social security and they're using their social security little credit card that they get from the government to to pay all their their bills and stuff at the beginning of the month, and our client wants to like go as soon as possible and try to get that money because it's like it seems like on the third second or third of the month like everyone's going in getting their card so if it, and when it's empty it's empty it's like so they they want to get that as fast as possible. And it runs, it's one of these processes that runs absolutely perfectly most of the time, but today it just, it fell over. I, I think the uh, the credit card process that we were talking on the back end didn't respond quickly enough and that kind of set off this cascade. And what sucks is I really have as much logging as I have, I really don't understand why it did what it did. And so I, I was having to clean up, you know, basically rerunning some of the, some of the payments that failed. But then they got the wrong policy numbers on them. So I had to go clean those up so that they, the reporting worked. And just, it, yeah, just spent all day. And it's like, as like 6 p.m. I was done. I'm walking away from my computer. I realized I hadn't gotten up from it all day, pretty much. <laughs> and that used to be my life. That used to be, you know, pretty much what I did day in, day out. And it's like, oh, man, I, I have not missed this at all. And I <laughs> I got to figure out a way to... to some better logging in on that so that if this happens again, I can figure out why the underlying cause is and stop it from happening. And then on a personal life failure. So last week, <laughs> I didn't bring this up in our show because we we're having a good time eating hot wings. But last week, my grandmother died. Um, oh, no. Yeah. She, I mean, she was 96 years old. I mean... Mm-hmm. She good. really, you know, 96 years old. Up until a month ago, she was living at her own or li- at home, right? She went to oh, hospice. Wow. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, she she lived a very full life. She was an amazing woman, and just really, I mean, just such a talker and the life of the party. And just yeah, she was she was amazing. But it's like the last few years, she'd had a stroke, and you know, she really couldn't talk too much. So it was just it's kind of sad to seeing her kind of there. So, you know, as sad as it is that she's no longer with us, it's, you know, at the same time, she hadn't been with us for a little while. So, yeah. So we got a funeral. We got a funeral coming up on Saturday. And that's sad to say is actually pretty awesome because I get to see cousins and second cousins <laughs> that I haven't seen for 20 years. So it's like everyone's coming in and it's like it's going to be a huge party. So I'm really looking forward to the weekend. I'm really looking forward to the funeral because it's going to be a blast. <laughs> bittersweet. <laughs> yeah, it's bittersweet. Bittersweet. Love you, Grandma Willadine.
3: I, I mean dying in your 90s today the just the the life the, the world changes that she lived through uh, mind boggling right. I mean world yeah. wars and many yep. other wars unfortunately and yep. the internet and awesome mm-hmm. television I mean just
2: it's crazy Yep So that's me how about you Adam I'm going to go with a triumph I I mentioned last week that I'd had a rough week and you know a lot of a lot of issues going on and things have calmed down a bit, and I've been able to, you know, when things come up, just kind of take care of them, put them to bed, and, and go back to the thing that I've got as my primary objective right now, which is working on some Svelte code, which is a lot of fun, and I'm really enjoying it a lot. And, I mean, I'll, I'll say right now, you know, this code that I'm writing is garbage. You know, it's it's terrible, <laughs> but I'm I'm intentionally going into it that way right like I'm, I'm trying to learn the right way if there is an idiomatic way to write svelte i'm trying to, to learn the ins and outs of that and i'm choosing to just kind of put it's a it's kind of a i would say on the large end of small scope right it's a it's a single like modal dialogue but it has a ton of functionality within it so you could say it's you know one small component but there's a lot of functionality in here and so i'm choosing to write it all in one big svelte file and like get it all working and then like, I'll be able to just commit that once it's done. I'm, I'm doing commits along the way too. But when I get to that point where it, where everything that I need it to is working and done and and I'm happy with it. And then I will go back and I will make the code clean. And I'm actually kind of hoping that I'll be able to like talk somebody who has a bunch of felt experience into like pairing with me on the refactor and kind of teach me like, okay, here's a, here's how you wrote some bad code that's like, you know, non-performant or something like that and, and how to make it better, but also be like, this is the the right way to organize this code. That would be awesome if I could find somebody to do that. Yeah, very Tim. cool.
1: Tim, I mean, he's been learning it. There you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he he delegates learning it. Yeah. <laughs> he had uh, one of his junior, not Moments. juniors, but reportees, I guess, one of his employees uh, looking into it. <laughs> so that's all I got. Okay, so our, our topic today is error messages, and I guess we just thought we would talk about what makes a good error message, what makes a bad error message, when to throw an error message. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see where this takes us. I'm sure that there's plenty to talk about here. Sure. So, who wants to go first?
0: Well, I'll say. I mean, this was I suggested this topic because I had put in our little notes to self that Ben does. I don't do as many as he he does, but <laughs> so so I put the error messages. Sent to the end user, need to have an appropriate tone. That's one. Be free of tech jargon. That's two. Shouldn't pass the blame. That's three. Say what happened and why. Four. Provide reassurance. Six. Be empathetic and tell them how to fix it, if possible, and give them a course of remediation. You skipped five. Yeah. (laughs) You went from four to six. I mean, I'm from Georgia. I can't count that high. Um, (laughs) This is great, but this
3: is a hard set to adhere to all the time.
0: Right. I mean, I, I do th- I think this is sort of a, a goal to attain, right? So I'll say initially that when, when I first moved over to the payment side of the the, the company, they had a an error message, a customer, that obviously someone spent a lot of time on, right? Hmm. And it was like a, a pencil drawing of Charles Dickens, and it says, what the dickens it's a cold fusion error and it's like it really it was just silly and it didn't give any actionable information didn't explain anything whatsoever and just says someone's looking at it Hmm.
1: not helpful at all
0: no not Mm -hmm. helpful at all i'm like all right stop that immediately (laughs) take that down right now we're not doing that i mean because last thing you want you get an error is just someone going ha 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 you got an error in our stuff that we wrote but it's an error and it sucks for you so bye i've been guilty of that as well
3: <laughs> we actually years and years ago when you entered the wrong username and password too many times there was like a you could do it 10 times or something within an hour and the message the rate limiting message essentially that i would put up was you you poked the bear one too many times
0: and Ooh. I just assumed so it's, blaming you. it's blaming the user
3: because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just sort of assume like who's going to forget their password 10 times. So I, I assumed that this message was going to be primarily shown to people who were trying to do something malicious, which is why I didn't really think too mm. much about the attitude. But uh, apparently a user who doesn't know their password will gladly enter many passwords trying to figure out what it is. And we got many a Zendesk ticket being angrily asking us to Changed the tone of our error messages.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Yep, inappropriate tone. Been mm-hmm. there, been there. And I, and I bet you, I bet you, your login said wrong, you know, user credentials or something. Please try yeah, again. Yeah. And they're like, you told me to try again. I tried <laughs> again ten times. I mean, to be fair, I, I had an issue with the Google. We had set, I set up a Google Business account, and we had like a some Google Voice numbers associated with it. And I was trying to add a new user. That's all I was trying to do. I, we had a new guy he came on, and it wanted to give him a phone number, so I'm, I'm adding him a phone number. And it goes, I added him. And it's like th- there was an issue setting up the phone number. Please try again. So I did five times, and then they banned my account, the entire. <laughs> and there was no, re- their, and their whole recourse platform is so terrible i'm like please tell me what i did wrong they're like no you you broke you broke one of these rules and i gave you this page of like Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 things and like it could be any one of them like well which one like you broke one of these i'm like i you told me to try (laughs) again i tried again five times and then you just shut my account off and then kept billing me for three months
3: Yo, can i if i I can do side rant here on a related note at the self-checkout counter at, this, at the supermarket. I don't know. I assume everyone has self-checkouts where they are.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: I will go and I'll start checking out my stuff. It's usually you know, like 12 items and under kind of a thing. And at some point, it'll just say, please wait for assistance. And someone has to come over and they do like some bloop, bloop, bloop on the screen. They swipe their their you know employee card and then they walk away. And I have literally asked them, I'm like, what did I do so that I know not to do it again? Because there's no error message on the screen at all. And they're just like, oh, don't worry about it and walk away.
2: And I, no. and I,
3: I, it drives me so crazy because it's not telling me what I did wrong and I have no idea how to not do it in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So having an appropriate tone, I think is really important with, with your error message. We've talked about, you know, some bad tones, but I think you need to provide reassurance in your error message, right? So let's say that you do something and you're trying to save something and it, And there's an error, and then you say there's you tell them there's an error. Well, is my stuff saved? Mm -hmm. Do I need to do it again? And there's like just maybe an OK button. What does the OK mean? Am I am I am I resubmit? Particularly if it's like financial, am I am I resubmitting again? Am I is it resubmitting or is it canceled? I mean, explain to me what what this error means in the process of of give me some reassurance that I'm not by clicking something I'm not doing further damage to myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I usually find the it's either far left or far right. Like I get the something went wrong, please try again. Or it's the error online 10 times, put a bunch of numbers, semicolon, invalid, like enable to like map object. And it's like some data type at the end. And I'm like, well, that helped me none.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I, I think that, that a couple of these are kind of at odds with each other right so you have don't uh, be free of tech jargon uh, right but then you also say give course for remediation customer service or support ticket and I, I, I believe they can coexist but I think that the way that we try to do it is you know we try to if if we can pr- if we can predict, way that the application will fail then we will explain the situation or do our best to, to explain it and then at the bottom of that error message we'll put like a little notes like details for the nerds like here put this in your support ticket right, right. and then we give the whatever useful error message might might be in there and I mean the truth of the matter is that 99 times out of a 100 we've already logged that error message to our right, it's there. Mm-hmm. but yeah, but it, at least it'll help co- correlate their ticket to the bug report. Yeah. Well, I mean, I,
0: I I think what I meant when I talked about being free of tech jargon is, you know, saying there's a the 516 error. Nobody what knows that what that is. Yeah, right. I, or, you know, there was another message that we used to have. It was like a teapot error. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're in tech, 14. you probably know what a teapot... Yeah, yeah. 418, a teapot error. You know what that is. You have a WAF or something that's blocked, the, blocked it. But uh, I mean, people will put in a tech and go, what, "What do you mean a teapot error? My kettle is not even on." Right. <laughs> what, right? I'm so I'm saying tech jargon with that regard. What I do like, what I do like, is whenever you just give them a, what I'll do is kind of hash the error message and take that hash and display it and say, "Here's your error code. This is an error mm-hmm. code. Please, you know, report this to. This has been reported." To our support team, you can use this as a reference, you know, to find out the status of it. So I, I think that's a good message, and also explaining, you know, also if, you know if you want them to call customer service or put in a support ticket, things like that, or even like maybe a uh, a link to a knowledge base. Let's let's say it's a they did something wrong that caused this error, and you for some reason know about it. You can give them a knowledge base reference that they can go to and, and look at, it and to see maybe they can fix it themselves. I don't have a whole lot of those. Usually they're just hard errors.
2: <laughs> The thing that's been biting us a lot lately is so I, I have talked a little bit recently about how our current production databases don't support emoji in text fields and how that mm-hmm. will be changing soon. But it, it's been happening with increasing frequency that somebody will try to include an emoji in some you know in their support ticket comment or in an email subject or something like that, and it just. I think it's the database just kind of like throws up its hands and it's like error. I don't yeah. know what to do with this. Yeah, and like there's only s- s- <laughs> right. Yeah it, it, the the error message that we get back from the database is not always the same. I think it might have to do with the type of column that they're trying to insert it into. And then it doesn't. There's nothing about the error message that says like you know invalid input or anything like that. It's just random garbage. Um, and so it's it, I think it would be exceedingly difficult for us to catch these and say like oh okay you you. Put in some text that we don't support, sort of thing. So we have been dealing with those tickets. I'll be very glad to get that monkey off our back. That monkey emoji, I don't know, off our back.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we we have some workflows like that where we we run it through this thing that finds a very high ASCII character. So the, so the not all emojis fail inside of the old UTF-8 encoding. It's like only emojis that are in the the astral plane whatever that is exactly i don't i don't quite know (laughs) Uh, so it's like i think a regular smiley face will work but like a poo emoji will break or like a snowman emoji will break and like a bunch of others and and will we have this method that we call that will pass some of our strings through that that looks for certain hex encodings like anything over a certain unicode value and it, it will like replace it with a question mark which, you know, is a terrible user experience. But to your point, if you don't do that, it just blows up and gives yep. nothing helpful. Which, to be fair, we do do in a lot of cases. <laughs> I'm not saying we're good all over, but in certain in certain scenarios, we we try to fix it somehow.
2: Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm very familiar with the code that you are talking about because I stole it off your blog and I tried to implement it at one point. <laughs> and I think we might, like I tried to, this is how, how annoying this problem is. I am almost certain I put it in like application CFC in like on request start or something to just yeah, all yeah. form inputs, clean them up, you know? And I, I feel like I had to pull that out for some reason at some point. I don't know if it was performance or or what, but yeah, I know exactly yeah. what code you're talking about. How about you, Carol? How do, how do you handle errors?
1: Um. Well, I just always assume the people using my system are smart enough to not do anything wrong and just <laughs> let it live, you know? Don't worry How's about it. How's
2: that working out for you?
1: I mean, I don't look at the error log, so I think it's great. I don't look at Zendesk, tickets. That's someone else's thing. Uh, no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, we don't. I feel like we try our best to give back enough information that we don't expose too much of the technology, right? Like, mm. I don't want you to know that you have a valid user, but you don't have a valid password, right? So like, just a right. simple example. Like, but I will return back to you that what you've entered doesn't match somewhere, right? Like. We can't validate you try again. But when it comes to like the we're in the system working and there's a code error, then we just return back. Hey, during this process, this is the step that failed. So, you know, during approval, you know, we weren't able to get documents and something happened. So submit a Zendesk ticket with this link provide the property you were on and what document like you were trying to retrieve. So we give them information to put in the the ticket as well. So when the ask does come to us, the ask is more clean, right? So it's not just, it's an error. And I don't know what happened at least this way when the engineers get it, they have some context to what was being done on the user, like by the user during that time.
3: Mm, that's good. Well, one thing that Carol said that made me think about error messages from a security standpoint that certain compromises have to be made in the name of security. So f- from entering credentials, as an example, you don't necessarily want someone to perform an iteration attack. An iteration attack, I think, in this case would be they're just trying a bunch of random emails, for example until they get one that says like, oh, the email was correct, but the password was wrong. And then they say, okay, well, now I've identified a valid e- email within the system. Right. So you can't tell them that their email's right and their password's wrong. You just have yeah. to tell them that their credentials are wrong and you sort of have to hide which one it is, not because it's a good user experience,
0: but because it's hiding a, a vulnerability.
1: Right, you don't want them to know, yeah.
0: The absolute worst thing you can do because we're doing payments for other people and they 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 put our code in their systems. A lot of times we'll get an error message, a screenshot or something from a user. And it's just it tells you the line number. It tells you the part of the code <laughs> that I mean just that is just food for hackers right there. Yeah, that's oh, the, too much the error dump. No, mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah that's just hey yeah. you just you just exposed your your underbelly when you do that. So and honestly it's like they send it to me and I'm like like, oh, this this payment didn't go through. I'm like, look at this error. And I'm like, look at the error. And it's like, yeah, that's your ASP code. I have no clue. That, I mean, that means nothing <laughs> to me. So send it back to the system that you were you were trying to make the payment on because their their stuff broke. I have no idea what line ten thousand on ASP X whatever is, is is airing on because yeah, that means nothing. So don't do that. Don't do that at all. That 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 is a A huge security risk.
1: Well, one silly one that gets me every time if I'm on a a site and I'm filling out a form, right? So I've went through and put in my name, my date of birth, but I forgot something like on my address or whatever it was. Mm. If I hit submit, and you've returned back to me that I have an invalid input and you only tell me like one of my inputs is wrong and I hit submit again and I'm missing another one. I'm furious at this point. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to use your <laughs> site. I'm done. I'm off of it. I'll go register somewhere else. I don't like you anymore. Like validate. Tell it me all. all the places I'm Give wrong. Give me it all. Let me handle it one time and fix it. Like don't make me keep going click, click, click. That's that's frustrating.
0: Mm-hmm. I've seen sites where you will fix it but it will still they'll give you a red right so it would be red the, the input box will be red with something mm-hmm. saying you know correct this you correct it it doesn't change color and you submit it and it's like yeah it just that's just
2: annoying you're talking about like real time you know so you're you're creating an account and the your password wasn't long enough or whatever and right. so you go and you and you, you fix it you type it, and so as you're typing, the the best experience would be like, okay, once you get to the minimum length, the error goes away. Right as you're typing, mm-hmm. uh, but you're so that's red. what you're saying is you'd you'd like to say, okay, yeah. So yeah, it's that, like they're that's only that's doing so server right. side validation.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there like, okay, what what password do you want here? I just you said I needed a, a, an uppercase character, lowercase, and a number, mm-hmm. and a special character, but one of those characters can't be a pound sign. So okay, right, <laughs> and I, and I I fix that. It's still red. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. It turn green and bust
2: out of your shirt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have a silly like validation thing. It's not about errors, but I use one password for everything. And it drives mm-hmm. me crazy when I'm on a site and I hit autofill and the password or the username requires a physical click to be activated. Like I can't click login or I can't click mm-hmm. submit because it requires me to click on the input. And mm. I have to like click in there and then click out. I'm like,
2: oh, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> why? Just take it empty and then tell me it's oh, wrong, man. right? Like, oh.
2: Talking about 1Password things that are frustrating. Yeah. This is not 1Password's fault, but I think it was, I was booking a, a flight and I had to put in my credit card information, right? To to purchase the plane tickets. And the form for the credit card, like the expiration date, it had a drop down for month, right? So you have month and year you have to do. And so you've got 12 possible values in there from one to 12. Well, it wasn't working. It told me my credit card was invalid. And I'm like, how could that possibly be? I use this credit card all the time. I'm filling it using one password. How could it possibly be wrong? Well, I happened to be a web developer, so I was able to look at it a little bit. I looked at the source code. Their select for the month field was, so like January, the, the label for that option in the select was one, but the value was zero. And Ooh. February was value one, label two. March was value two, label three. Oh, and I'm it. like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" So I was selecting the wrong month. Yeah, That's no. awesome. So he, so here's
0: one that I struggle with. So I, I talk about that in that my little note to myself there shouldn't pass the blame. Mm. So I mean, we deal. So user is idiot. No, <laughs> not no. I don't mean blaming the the user. I, I, in our in our worlds, like we're <laughs> we're sometimes the victim of we send a payment request to you know a, a payment processor, and for some reason Visa Mastercard just doesn't get back to us in time, right? And so it's really hard to write an error message that basically says. I don't. You, you don't want to blame like some third party that says, "Oh, so and so's API wasn't, you know, didn't return in a timely manner, therefore mm-hmm. this timed out or an error from whatever." But it's like it's kind of what happened. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make it sound like, "Hey, someone else screwed up. It's not our fault. Not our problem. Walk away." Right. So y- you need to take some responsibility for it because I mean, you're you're they're using your product. They're not using whatever products you have like baked into your to your code, whatever APIs and things. So that that's kind of a hard one for me to, to write. Try to just basically say that, you know, there was an issue. Here's here's a ticket number and you know, we're working on it. And if there's nothing they can actually do on it, just say yeah, I, I don't know. I st- I struggle with that one because
2: it's like Please wait by your mailbox hand for yeah further information. Yeah. Right.
1: Try <laughs> yeah. again in an hour. Like it's easy to like put a rate limit error message in, right? Like, okay, we've hit something too many times. We're going at this too fast, whatever it is. Like, okay, come back in an hour. Try to get an hour. If you want to put in a ticket, put in a ticket. That gives them the ability to kind of just wait for your connection to be fixed with this mm-hmm. third party, or they can just put in a ticket and you can notify everyone who submitted a ticket about not being able to connect all at once, once the connection's back up. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: yeah I mean, if it's a, if it's a, an API that sort of has a status uptime kind of thing, they say, you know, we know that you get this error because this system is down right now. Some yeah. process that we're calling is not available. We'll publish the link and say you can't do this right now because this is down. Here's the link to check the status. next, you know, check, when you check the status and say that it's up, you can resubmit your mm. request and your request, you know, and assure them that you haven't already done the transaction that you've done. You can do it again without fear of duplicating the same transaction twice. But that's a lot of work. It is. It's yeah, a lot of work. It is, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's a lot of work.
3: And things can break at really weird times, too. And it's not always yeah. clear in the workflow what's
0: breaking. All right. And, some, and sometimes they're up, but they still throw an error.
1: Um, do you guys use any budgeting software at all? Like anything? Excel. i oh, just actually Excel. Google
2: Sheets now. It used to be Excel. Yeah. so
1: I use I use you need a budget like I've been using it for several years I love it one of the things that they have is this really cute I say cute because I like it cute status page so if Mm -hmm. I have this gear icon next to my American Express card it's like oh I'm not able to get the transactions like here's why I'm not able and it pops up exactly what Tim's saying it's like here's all of our connections that are currently good or that are currently failing and here's what's going on like if you go right now it says oh we're updating or like we're investigating a problem with connecting the Kohl's credit cards. So if you have a Kohl's card, your transactions aren't coming through, and here's why. I think giving them that visibility, like you were saying, Tim, is is very mm. helpful when you have a lot of public facing users who are asking the same question. So yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's good. I, I think having your branded page rather than just sending them to their because otherwise you're
2: exposing what APIs you're using is probably a better better way to go yeah so sort of on the same topic how do you guys feel about error pages with uh, let's say personality right so totally. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the fail whale right Twitter mm-hmm. in its in its early days or would go down unicorn. and you'd get the fail whale
4: mm-hmm.
2: yeah I, I mean personally I like it I would rather that than you know just a, a plain text page says you know 500 we're we're broken I ain't I think Twitter. Well, so I I think it can be done poorly, but I also think it can be done well, right? Like you can't have a cute graphic and none of the other things on this list, right? You still have to explain what happened and why, and you still have to be empathetic and tell them how to fix it and all that. But I think it's there's room for personality.
1: I feel like it depends on your like your customer base too. So when you're talking about Mm -hmm. GitHub, Sure. Throw something yeah. cheesy up there because we probably can figure out what's going on, right? Like it's tech. It's tech focused. But if Your audience. Yeah, your audience matters. But if we're talking about my software I write every day, I want my customers to have the best experience possible. So I want to give them a branded error page that says... The quality of work you get daily is what you're going to get from us handling this error as well. I don't want some cute unicorn or monkey sitting out there going, I don't know what happened. Like I want it (laughs) to feel like that they're being treated with respect and that we're we're taking this seriously.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So provide reassurance, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think you can't only have this personality in your error pages, right? If the only place that you're being cute and cheeky is on your error pages, then it's going to feel maybe not disingenuous, but it's going to feel like you put more effort into making it cute than into trying to prevent the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
1: my view. I'm like, prevent the problem. Don't make the error page cute.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I guess the thing that I like about these cute pages, and again, I think if it's just cute, then it's, then that's not a good enough solution, but I think it can, can contribute to turning a negative experience into a positive one. Right. So there's an error i'm not getting the page that i want github is down or whatever but if like okay so chrome if you're offline you get the little dinosaur jumping over stuff game yeah. right mm-hmm. like it's an error page but it also gives you something to do that is adorable. if you're not aware if you like disconnect your you know turn off your wi-fi on your laptop open up a tab in chrome type in google.com and you'll get the error page with the dinosaur on it and it just look static Jump hit over the, cactuses. Hit, Yeah, yeah so you hit the space bar and that starts the game so turn a negative into a, a negative experience into a positive one if you can. Yeah, but that's that. I mean, honestly, that's one that you can't. The fact that you can't connect to the internet
0: is. I mean, there's nothing else you can do, right? right. So give them a game, right? Sure. So that, I mean, that's a that's a good use case. But I, I just tried to pay for, you know, my jacuzzi, and it's like three thousand dollars, and I got an error, and I you you give me a little cutesy thing. I'm like, did am I getting you know? Do I resubmit? Do I'm gonna get charged six thousand dollars now? Right. <laughs> so explain, explain to me what what just happened. Did I or did I not just pay three thousand dollars on my
2: card? Or, sure, but if if the page that said "Don't worry, we got your money," the the error happened after we right. saved your payment. It's just in the that we we got an error when we tried to send you your confirmation email. If the, right. the page that you saw had that information on it and it also had a picture of like a bunch of cats enjoying your jacuzzi like or you know like the <laughs> raccoons loading it onto the truck or something like your shipment's on the way we just had this yeah. problem, right like you know there's turn the negative experience into that's positive provide right?
0: reassurance be empathetic I mean yeah. that's that's exactly exactly what I'm talking about but I saw so it's it just really hard because sometimes it's like you're not really sure when you do get an error. You have to know what that error, how that's going to affect the end user. You got to really, really think hard about that. Step 10 out of 11 happened. And if 11 didn't happen, what does that mean? Well, they didn't get a receipt or something. That's maybe trivial, right? So just explain to them, like, tell them what happened and why. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, explain to them, like, yeah, we, so yeah, we, we charge your card. We can't give you a receipt right now because, you know, SynGrid is down or whatever the issue is. Don't blame SendGrid, but just say, you know, we can't see the receipt. So we're yeah. not blaming them, but they're down. <laughs> but they're down, right. Yeah, exactly.
3: I always struggle with the 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 wording for errors relating to form inputs. So like if someone's trying to enter their email address, I'm never quite and, and let's say they leave it blank. I never know if I want to go with please enter your email address or email address is required or Email address cannot be blank. Hey, or idiot. your email is, yeah, your email yeah. is not valid. And, and then like sometimes mm-hmm. I have error messages that start with please, like please enter an email address. But then yeah. I have many error messages that don't start with please
2: mm-hmm. and
3: an action. Yeah. Then it feels like it's inconsistent and then I get nervous that I never really know what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, I, I think... Form validation can count as error messages. And I, I really want to touch on this real quick and then I'll let you go, Carol. You have to be extremely careful about exactly what you're saying. So you said email address is invalid and I'm, that caught my attention because I've seen people say like their their name input field has a, a minimum length of three characters. Well, there's a heck of a lot of Asian people with a name that's two characters or you know maybe even yeah, non-Asian yeah. people. That's just the first one that's, that came to my mind. And if you tell somebody your name is invalid Oh, man, that is like a terrible thing to say to somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Now, I was just saying that I realized that we don't accept payments from people that have a name that's less than four characters.
2: Do you, see, I just opened up a whole new market for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah.
0: We also don't. If, if your name is all numbers, we don't, don't take it either because a lot of people will put their credit card number in the name field.
4: Not. Well, I guess
0: you don't want money from Elon Musk's kid. <laughs> Exactly.
1: So with what Ben said, I like to put a banner like at the top of the page that says like, please correct your inputs or like, please correct the problem. And then under the input or we'll, you know, turn it red, whatever we need to do. Like under, I'd be like a valid email is required or, Mm. you know, you can't leave your first name blank. But I like to put the please message at the top because my southern raisin makes me, you mm-hmm. know, say, please, thank you. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't tell them to go do this. I have to say please. And I probably should put thank you by the submit button or something. I don't know.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a, l- a little side side discussion. So, so this week we had a customer who responded to, it wasn't me, it was a, our customer service representative, He responded in an email to her. He said, yes, madam. I'm like, who is this? this?" (laughs) And like multiple times he called her madam. Like, is he like foghorn leghorn? I mean, who says that anymore? He's like from Tulsa, but I I don't. (laughs) Yes, madam. Yes, madam. We are trying to process these critical payments, (laughs) you I said, I said, I said, right? So, I mean, I think the last thing is give him a course for remediation. I kind of talked a little bit about that, you know. Direct them to customer service if they feel like they need to. And we do that as well. So it's like some sometimes people will make a payment and then they'll, for some reason, maybe make another one immediately. We try to block du- duplicate payments. A message would pop up and say, hey, call customer service. Just because we're not always 100% sure if they paid twice. And so give them a phone number. They call them and... Yeah, so just kind of prevent them from from doing it twice, or submit a support ticket if it's like a relationship where it's like a you have a a software service that you're giving selling to a customer, and there's an error. Encourage them to do a support ticket. So just have some some sort of course of remediation other than just like, hey, there's an error. Bye. You know,
2: I think you're absolutely right, but I think that it's important to say like put the phone number for customer support on that error page or, or you know, the link to create a support ticket or whatever it's going to be.
0: Yeah, for sure.
3: Links is a tough one because out of habit, whenever I have to display an error message, I usually encode it for HTML. So I escape special characters that might allow for some weird path that facilitates a cross-site, you know, a cross-site script attack and then which is fine because in 99% of cases the error message is just plain text and it doesn't matter if it's encoded but then the support team will say something like that like oh well in this in this error message can you include a link and some other stuff and i'm like ah not generically cuz everything's going to be escaped so then i have to do some special like in this case if there's this flag turned on show this additional mm-hmm. link action but i don't i don't have a good way to handle that across the board. So I do a lot of one-offs for that kind of a stuff.
2: All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for us tonight. We're going to go record our after show tonight. I, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I want to talk about merch. We're going to have Ooh, podcast merch soon. Good. I've okay. got some, some information about that that I'm going to share. Cool. Uh, if you're a patron and you're going to listen to the after show, you might even hear where you can go get some merch. So this episode of Working Code is brought to you by... What about the undefined variable reference on line 10 of your ASPX page? <laughs> sure, go. let's go with that. I was going to say fail well, but Leia. Sure, let's go with that. And listeners like you, just like PBS, if you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting more of whatever this is out into the universe, then you should consider supporting us on Patreon. Of course, special thanks to our top patrons, Monty, Sean, and Jean Carlo. If you'd like to help us out, you can go to patreoncom pod Homework this week. I'm going to keep it the same as last week. Please leave us a review. You can go to workingcodedev review and that'll drop you right in the right spot to leave us a review. And we would greatly appreciate that. You can send us topics or questions at Working Code Pod on Twitter. You can join our Discord at workingcode.dev slash discord. You can email text or voice memos to workingcodepod at gmail.com. Send us your voice memo and we'll play it on the air. That's gonna do it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, hey, your heart matters, even if your error messages are
0: funny and ironic, but honestly, you know you can do better. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.